All right, guys, let me hit the intro. We get going. Well, hey, everyone. Happy Friday, the last Friday of the year. I'm joined by the number one ham, Scott Cunningham, a.k.a. Scott C. Business. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, with that number one ham thing, where did you come up with that? Was it just a play on your, your last name? <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like number one fan, Cunningham, number yeah. one ham. Pretty simple. I mean, a lot of time people think I'm saying like number one hand or like something else. And then I always have to like be very explicit that like that's what I'm saying. Yes, it's not kosher or halal. It's ham. Yeah. Uh, so for everyone watching, uh, don't, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And um, if you have one of my NFTs, go to the super chat, say some stuff, and we'll we'll talk about it. And if not, well, you should have one. There's a link in the description, but whatever. We'll we'll do that after the show. Um, let me hit on this spicy stuff here. So starting with Alameda Wallet's funnel over 1.7 million via crypto mixers overnight data negates the possibility of liquidators behind the fund transactions due to the use of mixing tools and extensive planning to hide transaction paths so someone is clearly making off with the uh <laughs> the fdx funds and by the way that seems like a no a low number actually yeah unless that's just all, what they're aware of i guess yeah that, that hit the mixers but um, SBF, which I, I don't get how this guy's still out on Twitter there, but he says, none of these are me. I'm not, it couldn't be moving any of those funds. I don't have access to them anymore. Well, um, I don't know how much there is to say about that other than just like the hot take. Like the gift that keeps on giving even after Christmas. Um, do you have any conspiracy theories on who it is who has the, has all the money? I mean, I would imagine it's like him or his girlfriend or one of the people in their polyamorous relationship or just, you know, some middleman. What I think is more interesting is that he paid a $250 million bail, but it was like, obviously, that's the people's money, not his money. So it's like, why that's even allowed seems really weird to me. But yeah, so I really wish I'd read more on the, um, on the actual bail bit because from what I, from my memory, there was something to the effect of, um, his, his parents did a, it was some kind of like, it was, I've heard two rumors, right. And maybe this is even better for the show to like, not have any education on the, on the <laughs> subject at all, but I heard two rumors. Let's just, let's get them both going. So the first was that it was his parents who like, put up their like real estate as collateral to get him out. It was like worth 250 million or something. And I also heard mm -hmm. of it was a I forget the terminology, but basically it was I promise to pay 250 million if I don't, you know, if I screw up the bail conditions. But it wasn't like he gave it. He just said I'm good for it, bro. It's like a they gave a 250 million IOU. It's so yeah. I don't know, understand that kind of like that kind of defeats the purpose of bail entirely. Right. <laughs> but you also way, think crazy. that someone who's 
done what he's done that like you wouldn't even get the option. Yeah. And I guess that's um that's kind of an interesting point of view or something to think about with this whole thing is because even if he does pay it it's like that's just the people's money that you're giving to the government then allegedly and that's where it gets dicey with these situations like i personally think that every bit of money that he has is like stolen money pretty much i mean that's that's what i think um now where it gets a little bit like and it, legally it gets a little bit maybe dicier because you'd have to like go through like a court proceedings and actually say like, no, you owe this much here. Therefore any money that you're holding on to you owe to that. Or, you know, I mean, obviously if they can determine that some of the funds were actually customer funds, like this stuff in his money, in his wallet right now came from the customer funds here. Obviously that, that can be, you know, confiscate or whatever. But if some of these are company profits, right? Because the company did exist. It did have profits. It did have revenue at least. And he did have a salary. And so like if you get, let's just say you get paid a million dollars to run your company and then you steal $10 million. If you pay a million dollars bail, which which million was it? Was it part of the 10 you stole or was it the one that you yeah. earned? I mean, it, that's where it gets a little dicey about like not, saying he has no money now. I mean, yeah, kind of, but like, urgh. it's a little, little tough. Well, you'd think that they would just say, okay, it's all bad money, just like they would with uh, like a drug bust, right? Like mm-hmm. anything that you have is, is seizable asset because they can't tell if it's, if it needs to be proven or not. They're like, okay, well, it's probably all connected. Yeah. That's the, the, um, the crazy thing is, I guess when you have a drug bust, because drugs are viewed as, you know, they're illegal entirely, anything made from them is considered to be like sketchy stuff. Whereas And even if you, know, you didn't and they, they don't know for sure, they'll still take it. But that's only for like drug related charges. Yeah, usually. which is you know, it's kind of a lot of the nonsense of the drug war and all that. But the thing about um in the case of like a theft, like this, this was allegedly an above board business, at least on paper on the idea sounds above board, right? As in there's lots of crypto yeah. exchanges. You run one. It's okay. And it's like, okay, well then there's missing money. And the thing is, as far as I know, um, the individual known as Sam Bankman Freed and his actual theft of customer funds I don't think that's been proven yet. It's just everyone knows exactly what's happened because a lot of money disappeared. They should have had money. Where did it go? He says he doesn't know. You know, like, I think it's pretty obvious what happened. However, um, it's going to take a long time to actually connect all the pieces and, like, go through that wire fraud signal group that they had and, like, (laughs) all the other stuff and just prove that this happened. But until now, it it could just be gross i mean it's not but it could just be gross incompetence that you know he just lost all this money whoops i don't know how it happened you know so i guess they have to establish that before they just determine he has no money yeah and the crazy thing too like just to slightly change gears a little bit i don't know if you followed the uh logan paul crypto zoo kind of expose um it just seems crazy that you could run a scam and 
then you know when things come to light and you need to pay a fine or whatever you're already running a new scam to pay for the previous scam mm. yeah he's already launched a new nft project to raise money for his probably future sec lawsuit yeah so like also is the lawsuit more than what he ended up making because if not then it's just you're always going to take that <laughs> you know it's just like the cost yeah. if the cost to steal the price of stealing is less than how much you make in the theft it's like with um yeah what happened with like some of those uh crypto orgs that were sued by the sec like eos like eos paid a big fat fine but compared to what mm -hmm. they raised it was like nothing so you know yeah i mean they made the most expensive domain acquisition in history so clearly mm -hmm. and it was for nothing like voice isn't really like anything so like they clearly have money to just throw at the wall which is yeah. crazy but yeah and that's the the crazy thing about all this stuff is having just so much money like floating all around and at some point it just doesn't like it just doesn't do any good which you know kind of brings me to um solana i didn't have that as an actual <laughs> planned a news story on this thing but solana has been in tanking recently there's a lot of connections with ftx and a lot of people you know dump it on that stuff uh oh yeah i have so for 95 percent down in the year for the record i have never said a positive thing about solana and it doesn't yeah it doesn't make me some sort of a clairvoyant genius to say that though either it's not <laughs> like you couldn't tell but like from massive centralization to blockchain breaking all the time to uh the founders lying about how many tokens existed and who had them and like just all that and then just doing dumb stuff like buying sneaker stores and stuff it's just all yeah. terrible and it's funny because like at some point you had like people like Melania Trump were putting out NFT collections on Solana and like you had a lot of there was a lot of actual traction on Solana for a little while. I think you could just buy your way to a certain level. But then at some point it just like I still don't understand the point of like so here's my opinion, right? Is like a decentralization advocate and things like that. Um the only reason you need an Ethereum killer is because you want faster, cheaper transactions for your stuff. I mean, there's, it's a oh, gross oversimplification. There's lots of reasons like privacy and other things like that. But the big problem is, you know, slow and expensive. And so if you're going to get something faster and cheaper, but you don't care about decentralization, just like do it on Polygon, which is, honestly what the market's been doing right lots of stuff is in migrating to polygon and some other l2s or whatever they try to call them but like yeah. polygons run by like a what a five of eight or five of nine multi-sig or something like that and most of those keys are in the hands of the founders it's not entirely centralized but they could figure something out and it's just kind of like it's the eth killer it's like the eth killers that people were looking for turned out to end up being L2s. And that's just kind of the way it ended up going. So I don't really see the benefit. Unless we get the surge upgrade in the next three months. Uh, which one is that? 
fingers crossed. It's the next uh, phase of uh, Ethereum's upgrade, which oh. should it, that's the actual one that brings the uh, the gas fee changes. Hmm. Uh, they said they'll scale it from ten transactions per second or whatever it is now, ten or fifteen to like ten thousand. And by the end of the three phases, it'll be a hundred thousand. Yeah. So, what does it do for Supposed. for scalability? Like anything for does it increase the gas limit or something? Like so, you have more um, transactions. So the surge, the main upgrade for the surge is the introduction of the side chains, hmm. where they will be able to run all of the transactions on a side chain and then send that all as one single transaction to the main chain mm. to effectively scale like a hundred X per side chain, but then they'll have a hundred side chains, for example. Yeah. And so, so then 100 transactions would each have like a thousand within them or, or whatever. And, and they'll scale it out like that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting with the, the ETH scaling plans and stuff is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Justin Bonds of Cyber Capital, but he's Mr. Tweet Thread who shits on everything. And um, oh, yeah. it is in a good way. I mean, he's a very well-researched guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he's he hasn't publicly criticized ETH too much, but he has criticized the um, the L2 scaling uh, like option. Like, basically... Okay. L2s tend to sacrifice a lot of like decentralization immutability, no matter how they kind of work. And basically massive L1 scalability is like the, the one thing he's like really looking for. So like for, for someone like him, like Ethereum is close to what he's looking for, but he wants on-chain governance that really works, which he doesn't really have. It's just kind of like, you know, kind of hodgepodgey. And mm -hmm. also wants massive on-chain scalability, whereas it seems like they're trying to, to L2 everything with Ethereum. Yeah. So if to the ETH scale, the ETH killer concept, I would definitely say um, I don't really see an ETH killer coming along um, unless it does a couple of key things differently. It has to be as or more decentralized it has to scale you know natively and be fast and cheap obviously and then just have a few other little improvements for like efficiency or like privacy or whatever else so it's not just like i do this but on this it's like no i do something completely different and better and i think like privacy is going to be one of those mm -hmm. things the the challenge with eth is the way everything's sort of bolt on like there's a smart contract for that, like private, like tornado cash, for example, and those kinds of things, smart contract operations end up being quite expensive. It's so like with USDC and their block lists, it just becomes like 40% more yes. expensive than die. It's just like yes, everything nice. costs. Cause you got to like bolt it on and then just run a specific script just to get a basic feature like privacy. And it's only like a hundred or less addresses that are blacklisted. That's making it cost like 40% more or whatever. So it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, can you imagine having to actually, um, apply like a widespread, um, block, like, blacklisting kind of thing to this just like the 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 usability issues that that would cause 
yeah like imagine like 10 years from now when they've got like thousands or hundreds of thousands of blocked addresses and it's mm -hmm. costing you like two three hundred percent more it's crazy yeah so I, it's kind because of we're paying like you pay as the end user for their censorship mm -hmm. which is like even crazier they're not even taking on that cost yeah and that's the that's the insane bit about like uh you just want some basic privacy and then you gotta like use it or you want to use this thing and just it all gets baked into that and so i think that if you find something that has like so for example um I know almost nothing about Cardano. I just did not pay attention to it. Yeah. There, but like having a UTXO model for our, for a privacy perspective does improve a lot of things, and at least makes them less like egregious. As like your one address has everything and your entire life history right in it. But I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. it comes with its own issues. Uh, but like for example, I know there's a few. Um, like I know some of the folks over at Railgun making stuff like that for to add like high level privacy to Ethereum. But if it's like a, a smart contract, then it's still going to be horrendously expensive to like run like zero knowledge proof your smart contract, like add that into the thing. And then all of a sudden it just like, you know, kind of gets even worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. When I think about ETH killers, like I made a video on this like a long time ago and I basically said, because um, I talked with Hashoshi about this, if you know him, um, and he made a good point where he said, having like cheap transactions and faster transactions is really just like the baseline of being like an ETH killer. Like that's not going to actually do anything that's like, that's the very first thing you have to do. Yeah. And that's just like to start because you've got Cardano. There's barely any dApps on it. Like there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, Solana's, you know, drink every time the chain goes down, take a shot every time the chain goes down. That's the ongoing joke. Uh, you know, all these, all these chains, they're not, they don't really have much going on. And even if they do, it's just something that already exists on Ethereum. Um, you know, or like, they just have some tokens or whatever and there's not really any innovative or novel reason to use that instead aside from gas fees unless you believe that you know the surge or whatever is going to actually improve ethereum and then it would have been a waste of time to try to build on any of these other chains the only chain that i actually see having any like real now, I wouldn't say a lot of innovation, but real adoption mm -hmm. is Binance. And that's just because, you know, they've got so many connections and they're making all these partnerships and deals. I think they could maybe be a competitor just because of that. Uh, not that I think they're really doing anything novel on Binance smart chain, but they have the adoption coming in. So that's the only one that I would actually like consider, although it's obviously, you know, a lot more centralized and I don't like Binance, so I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, to be honest, Binance Smart Chain is just a lot of ways for the company to keep hold of slash capture a lot of activity that's going out of centralized institutions and just be like, yeah. well, we'll have our own decentralized institution, kind of. So it's like, I think probably in the future, uh, exchanges are going to sort of migrate to like, 
basically being DEX front ends and with fiat mm-hmm. on ramps. And I mean, like, so for example, Thor wallet already has an integrate integration with, I think Mount Pelerin or one of those exchanges, or whatever, but basically you can buy, um, with a certain limit, you can buy crypto KYC free with a certain limit. I don't get, you know, I don't know how the Swiss figured that, yeah. but you could do that for a certain limit and then just like swap to any other asset, like basically on the platform. And it's, it's all like, other than that one little bit, it's all like decks. And so like, why do you need to actually sign up for exchange account other than, you know, it's more newbie friendly and you know, at some point all the dex world gets newbie friendly and then that's kind of it so i think binance is because cz is not an idiot he's looking far out and he's seeing that this is the way the world's probably going to go and he just wants to be part of it you know he's not going to let his business be obsoleted so he's just over time migrating binance to being like a a top player in the allegedly decentralized world and um Mm -hmm. i don't think like and at some point if whatever he's doing starts to become, um, if being too centralized starts to become an actual issue, I I don't see him actually. I don't see a problem with him actually. Like, uh, I think it'd be likely that he would purposely decentralize enough aspects of Binance Smart Chain to just shut people up and keep using it. You know, as long as he has, yeah, as long as he no, profits from it. You know, there you go. Yeah, and and yeah. Speaking of Thor Chain, I will. Uh, I will. I will say. Cosmos is definitely uh, doing some innovative and novel stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I do think Adam and Cosmos is actually pretty good. And I do invest in Adam and Cosmos because I actually think they're doing some interesting stuff. The staking model works fine. Um, and yeah, definitely like Thorchain is probably their most novel mm-hmm. thing that they got going on. I think Althea is also kind of interesting, though I haven't really like tested it or like gotten deep into that. But it's like an alternative internet provider hosted on uh, Cosmos. Yeah, the, the, there's something about, like, I didn't pay attention to Cosmos in the slightest, and I still am a little fuzzy on it, but when you start to see things pop up that are, like, built off of it, it's kind of like when everyone starts using zero-knowledge proofs, like the zero-coin mm-hmm. protocol or zero-catch protocol or whatever, then you start, like, oh, okay, they were move, working on something interesting. And, I mean, obviously... Uh, Thorchain, and then there's some Thorchain forks launching pretty soon as well. So all that's like oh, that's Cosmos, and then mm-hmm. like a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that the Dash team started to research Cosmos for like the data sidechain, and so like Tendermint consensus like what it uses, and they they made their fork of it called Tender Dash, which then a name might have to change or whatever. But basically, like a lot of projects are starting to pull in little bits uh, of you know how cosmos works so that's definitely mm-hmm. something and of course it's one of those ultimate things of like how much of this ultimately translates back to the bottom line of holders of cosmos itself or is it all just like hopefully a little bit because yeah. i am invested <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be that would be fun it one of the funniest thing the first time i heard about cosmos is probably right around when it launched there's this app called air coins which is like an augmented reality like pokemon go type thing that they oh, okay. they just like chucked a bunch of like cosmos like in your world around you and you go oh cling cling start like collecting 
collecting some cosmos. That's the first I ever heard about it. Okay. I used to call that app the shitcoin vacuum because you just like walk yeah. around and just vacuum up shitcoins wherever you go, and then they're never That's worth funny. anything. But I got like five bucks out of it. Yeah. So let's hit on this. Yeah, side. I mean, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, I mean, I really think that Cosmos is is doing good stuff, and like, it's good to see, you know, an alternative that isn't just like, oh, well, hey, we're cheaper and faster than all the uh, than Ethereum. They're actually like doing novel projects, and that's what I always say. Like, you have to actually have something that isn't already offered elsewhere. That is, you know providing some useful kind of use case or some novel thing. Uh, and I think Cosmos is actually doing that. So that's really good to see Because even like Binance, who has so many resources and so much going on, they don't really have any like projects specific to the be like the Binance smart chain that it's like, oh, it's just on there and it's very novel and interesting. There isn't really anything there. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, which is one of those things that... Um kind of makes me think about um like we're talking about novel things um one of the least <laughs> i don't want to get any hate by saying this but one of the least novel yet oddly more successful projects out there is litecoin because i don't know if you've mm -hmm. looked but litecoin's done pretty well price-wise recently mm -hmm. especially against bitcoin and maybe that's just because it dumped against bitcoin before but whatever and then also transaction volumes like almost a hundred thousand every day like around half of the bitcoin volume and after the Lightbringer game went down i thought that those transactions go off but like not really they kind of kept up and you know according to um like bitpay statistics have like litecoin is number two with like a, a big chunk like 27 percent of transactions or something like you know, it's, and I wonder how much of that is just like, you know. What's number one? Is it Dash? Or I'm sure it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin. BitPay, unfortunately, doesn't take oh, Dash at okay. all. I've been uh, I annoyed at that. Um, let me just look yeah. it up. Actually, let me just, now that we're just like mentioning that casually, even though I talked about it last week, I might as well um, put it up on the screen real quick. Um, there we go. So some BitPay stats just from curiosity, most commonly used in transactions. So as you can see, like right here, November, 41% was Bitcoin, 27% was Litecoin, then ETH at 11, then Doge, then USDC. Bitcoin Cash is down at 3.12%, which is a little surprising uh, because you'd think that that would be the top cash coin, the top Bitcoin alternative, but Litecoin's clearly crushed that. And I know like BitPay did promote BCH a lot and stuff. So maybe it has something to do with, um, oops, hold on a second. doesn't look like. quickly check the uh, transaction fees and compare them here. Yeah. It, let me check this thing real quick because it doesn't look like the, um, after I scrolled, it doesn't look like the, um, the article thing uh, reset. Oh wait, no, no wonder I'm on the wrong thing. <laughs> um, oh, that's I gotta, weird. I got to scroll the down here. The site that we use, uh, BitInfo charts, for yes. some reason, doesn't have any data on Litecoin after July. Yeah, that's weird because, um, because they did have. I do remember when they stopped giving that info, but I, I thought it was just a brief, like their node crashed, they had to put it back on. 
Let's no, see. it's just the average transaction, like the median transaction fee and stuff like that is still tracked. But it is higher, so that is really interesting. Like it's it's more than double the cost of Dash or Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, I think at some level, it like when you're talking about payments, um, anything below f one or two cents USD doesn't matter. Um, That's fair. Yeah, so Litecoin has over 108,000 transactions last 24 hours. Oh. Yeah, they're definitely like way more transactions than like a lot of things. And like Bitcoin, actually over 10 times what Bitcoin Cash has as of like right around now, which is like. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's crazy. Which is like, hmm, all right. I mean, not legal tender anywhere, not anything. Um, and some of it might be, uh, it might be like the ca the race to like the digital cash top, and I'm trying to like uh, like always wrap my head around the um, the way the markets tend to work out because uh, I think the like the Mimblewibble hype might have been a lot because uh, if you think about it, it's also way more than Doge even, which is interesting. Five times more than Doge. It's kind of funny because after Doge got its Elon pump its transaction account went down significantly <laughs> because the yeah. price per transaction ended up going up with the price. So oh, that, that part doesn't surprise me. But like Litecoin's famous for being like the faster, nimbler Bitcoin. And even though you have mm -hmm. something like, let's say, Dash that has instant confirmations, not you have to like specifically check for that. Like You have to do a small change in your, your infrastructure in order to receive that, like to understand that. Everything else is a copy-paste of Bitcoin's implementation can just see confirmations. And since Litecoin has two and a half minute confirmations, um, so, does, uh, so does Dash, so it's equally fast for a lot of processors, for example. And they're just like, yeah. oh, it's cheap. Oh, it's fast. It's everywhere, kind of. Yeah, sure, we'll do it. And then you add in like an extra bit of privacy. Now, everything that Litecoin's done until now has been sort of like a copy paste of a lot of stuff like, you know, Oh, we're going to do SegWit. Oh, we're going to add lightning, which no one uses on Litecoin. Oh, we're going to do this and that. And then Mimblewimble was the first one where even though it was sort of a copy paste to a certain extent, again, I haven't looked too much into the implementation, but they're by far the biggest, the dominant Mimblewimble chain out there by now, like grin and beam and all of them are way down on the rankings. So to a certain extent, they're kind of the top, you know, the top chain for a privacy feature. It's kind of strange. So all in all, I guess it's just um, at some point, if there's scaling problems with Litecoin, people are going to move on. If the privacy doesn't keep up or whatever, or it doesn't get implemented properly in mobile wallets or whatever, people might move on. If other things, et cetera, et cetera, if like the confirmations aren't that fast or whatever, and people get used to it, then people move on. But until then, it seems like it's like, according to the market selector, like why would you use Bitcoin Cash? If it's confusing, it's in fewer places, some people hate it, and it's 10 minutes for confirmation. So I guess under all that, it makes sense that Litecoin's out there like doing well. It's just that from a lot of other fundamental reasons, you'd be like, why the hell? So it's just mm -hmm. kind of funny, like seeing the way the market selects for things. Yeah. And speaking of Bitcoin cash, I mean, there's definitely been a bit of a, a downtrend ever since read.cash stopped tipping people. 
Yeah. It's and that was what uh, Mark DeMazel given his donation. Yeah. And I and I said this every time I did a report. I like Redoc Cash, great platform, could end any day unexpectedly. And mm-hmm. it that's exactly what happened. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's donation funded and the devs were anonymous and didn't communicate with the community. So it's like at any point it could just be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to, um, you know, not to make things too sunny here, but we have the micro strategy thing, right? Micro strategy, Bitcoin purchase divides the community. Basically micro strategy started buying Bitcoin. Ooh, like what's, you know, what else is new, right? That's kind of like the only thing I don't even know what they do. I don't even know what they are. I don't know anything about them other than this crazy, ugly laser eyed guy is always talking about buying Bitcoin with the company. Uh, but the, yeah. the the point that I was interesting looking at, it, at least they're they're finally buying the dip. It looks like, and they say they increased their Bitcoin holdings by twenty five hundred Bitcoin. Blah blah blah. Currently holds one hundred thirty two five hundred out one hundred thirty two thousand five hundred Bitcoin uh, for acquired for four point oh three billion at an average price of thirty thousand three hundred ninety seven dollars per Bitcoin. That's the interesting part, right? So. That's a that's a high average, especially considering you just like bought the dip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Bitcoin goes up to you know sixty thousand again or a hundred thousand or whatever it ends up being, that's going to look really smart. Right now, it's n- but then they're going to dump on the entire market, and then everyone's going to hate them if they dump. If not, then they just hold on more, which I don't, I don't know what the point of holding if you never dump, but whatever. Like then you just hold even more, and then it goes crashes back down to like, let's just say fifty thousand or something. I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass here. It goes down to fifty thousand, and then now it's like, oh, we have an average buy-in for fifty-five thousand a coin now because they keep buying. And it's like, okay, well, what's your? That's your micro strategy. What's your macro strategy? Like, where does this go in the end? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because Homeboy wasn't really into um, he wasn't really into Bitcoin until recently. So, yeah, that's kind of a it's going to be kind of interesting. I wonder if he has the conviction to keep going through all this, or you know. But it's just some. I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, it's just some idle speculation. Um, like, I think like if anyone bought any Bitcoin basically during 20 the 2017 bull run that Bitcoin is high likelihood of being worth more today. Not entirely high. Cause it did peak at around 20 grand and it's what is it now? I haven't even paid attention. Um, my answer is always confusing cause I just have the Canadian value. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me find the, um, the people's value, the real value. Uh, <laughs> <The real> value. <laughs> All right. 16,500 about. So, yeah, I mean, it was above... Damn, six, that's so low. Yeah, it was below that for most of 2017. But it's just like if you're... They're like... to, It's kind of it's kind of funny the way... And whenever I troll them on Twitter, because I do, because that's what Twitter's for, um, I always... I refer to Sailor as a CEO of Bitcoin. Because they always say, like, Bitcoin has no CEO. And I'm like, yeah, what about this guy? (laughs) 
because for like the self-appointed <laughs> kind of CEO of Bitcoin, he's not really doing super well on it. And it's like, if you've been in to Bitcoin, like let's just take seven, the year 2017 onward for like 80% of that time. Maybe if you bought for like, you would be above well above sailors average right now. Like, and that's only a recent, that's not even going back to like the 2015s, 2013s. And then like the really early days, it's like, that's just like during this time, I guess like, and then El Salvador started to like DCA into stuff. Went to, well, we're going to buy a lot crash. Oh, we're going to buy a lot. It crashes. My crash. Now like, well, we'll just buy a little bit over and over time. It'll be okay. So. Yeah. All right. They're mining, uh, they're mining from the volcano. Yeah. Is that volcano volcano energy? Um, yeah. I might as well. I saw this on your timeline. I might as well give a little annoy some people with it. Good old oh, hex, yeah. right? Well, I'll go to the world of Richard Hart, and then about pulse chain, two more weeks, etc., etc. Um, pull this whole um, hex thing has been quite interesting to watch because very beginning scam slash scam with some interesting tokenomic like designs. And it just, mm-hmm. did, it just as such, I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. And then some got an interesting cult following and then kind of did well for a while considering other things, but now seems to be shaking out. And at some point, right when you're starting to get towards the top, starting to get top E, then he's like, Oh, pulse chain. It's going to be like Ethereum, but better or something, which, you know, for me is a pretty obvious cash grab but like some people i guess bought into it and then they just like move on to that and i think that um at this point it's starting to become like it's obvious and i don't think richard hart's trying to keep this going really is if i were to guess um it's been entertaining watching him buy all the most ugly clothing you could possibly imagine for those astronomical high prices I mean, I he's don't. just trying to lock all of his money into real world assets before Hex goes to zero. I think I almost think that like he's like as a scammer, he's trying to scam. He's trying to become a little bit more transparent of a scammer all the time because I think the transparency of it makes more people realize he's a scammer, but also makes some people who don't who are too dumb really buy in harder like look at this poor gentleman there in the comment there i love hex and buying on the dits richard will make people rich always buy when people are fearful richard will always make people rich like yeah very cult following-esque yeah they're gonna get wrecked really hard so that's kind of the um that's kind of where i see i don't really see it going anywhere um it's it's an unfortunate situation that people have gotten like you know scammed into that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, most crypto doesn't do anything, or maybe hypothetically does things, but doesn't actually do anything. And most most of what it does is it goes up or down in value. And the price chart for Hex looks a lot like the price chart for most good projects. Like maybe yeah. it's a little worse, but not that much worse. It just everything does all this stuff and. You know, I can. That's that's know. why I always say for scams, like 
price is never a legitimizing factor because too mm -hmm. often do you hear people say like, yeah, but it's, you know, top 50 or it's top 30 or look at the transaction volume. Like the price is up this many X and it's like, yeah, until it's not mm -hmm. like I had so many people commenting on my video criticizing Theta. Oh, looks like this aged poorly. And then I go back six months later and Theta is less than one cent down like 99%. It's like, oh, I guess it didn't age poorly. It was just like, <laughs> it's like, it, it just depends how you long you wait. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> it just depends how long you wait. Like, and now here we are and, and, uh, and data is way, 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 way down. And, you know, the whole NFT craze with data is completely blown over and now it's back to basically being a scam again. So it's just funny. Like when people try to use price as like a way to legitimize something and it's like, yeah, I mean. FTX was the second largest exchange until it wasn't. So, mm. you know. Yeah. That happens. And one thing I've I'm trying to like obviously like consistent transaction volume helps. Although that's easy way too easy to fake when fees are low. Uh but mm -hmm. also um bear market survival helps. And one you can always survive one bear market, but when you're hitting when how you're doing in the middle of the second bear market is where you start to see what you're really made of. Uh, mm. It's kind of crazy to see. So like, I would, I don't really look at the market cap rankings, but then people were t like, I checked a couple of charts versus Bitcoin, for example, like Monero did pretty well. Monero and Litecoin, I think did the best. But then you have other stuff like Zcash and Dash and even Bitcoin Cash doing okay. Um, but it was kind of crazy to see like, because I have a bunch of friends in the Dash community, especially that's like, the one thing I hear the most about. So people are saying that like Dash jumped like 25 spots in coin market cap in the last couple few months, like in the bear market, oh, okay. like not by going up in value, but just by not <laughs> crashing like a turd. And yeah. So, just preserving. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of coins that are still around from the early days are the same. Like if they're still around, they prove some sort of a value. They're still here. And it's like, it's Tron always manages to surprise me that it's still around. Yeah, Tron is kind of like the real ETH killer. Like, as far as the, uh, it's managed to just be fast, cheap, you know, like. I made a video about this, though, that mm -hmm. if there was an ETH killer, it would have been Tron, but it's not. Yeah. Because it's centralized and all they ever made was gambling apps. Gambling apps. And I think something like a, like the number three most used crypto on bit refill for like buying real goods and services is usdt yeah. on tron and it just yes 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 it's useful you know it's like people want to use dollars they can't use it via their bank and they can't afford it on ethereum on the main chain so i was a little worried that him launching usdd i believe it's called like the decentralized quote-unquote algorithmic stablecoin on tron which can only fail mm -hmm. would really hurt Tron though in the long term. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah. So let me jump to this thing real quick as we wrap up. Um, I've been way too much going on in my life. I'm really busy, but I've been trying to work on something for the new year. Um, obviously, at the end, looking like the end of January again, everyone's like, oh, it's going to launch by the. And it's just like, well, how long can I stretch it out and still keep my promise? But like, I got to do a reboot of how to live on crypto. 
just to, instead of like a, a bunch of little videos, I'll do like one video that has timestamps and chapters and, you know, it's a yeah. little more thorough as I keep diving into this thing more. And as part of it, I'm working on my ugly website, but it, eventually it'll be not ugly, but there's just one little page. I have this little, I'm starting to do a, um, a sortable list of all the services you need to actually live on crypto. So for example, this oh, is good, this yeah. right here. This was just this week. Cause I just put it through. Um, these are the ones where you can pay your bills. Now I didn't finish it. Obviously there's a couple in Canada. Like, um, what was the one that you were using? Um, I don't know. I think they introduced KYC. So I kind of got screwed there. Wow. Um, but I think it was called is bit something with a bit in it. I'll find it. I can find it here. Yeah. And all the uh, full disclo disclosure, most of these, maybe not the European ones, but most of these are KYC services, right? Because at least in the U S you cannot get away from KYC. If you're doing a bill payment service, because bills, utility bills, stuff that are tied to your address are a form of establishing KYC to begin with. Like, how Oh, it's a uh, Bitcoin well.com. Yeah. So I'll add that to it too, as well as like, but it is KYC though. So, yeah. So let's like, so for example, if you want to pay with Litecoin and you're in Europe, these are the ones that you can pay at. It just you can sort sort it really quickly. So hopefully it should be where I give the overview video of this is how you live on crypto, right? And then after that, you're just like, okay, well, what do I do for my country, my specific thing? And I just, you can just find... Here's your bill pay service. Here's how you spend it around town. Here's the this and the that and blah, blah. And you just, yeah. and then update it as it goes on. Because the problem with the video is you film it and then the next week it's inaccurate. Like for example, yeah. one thing on this thing, and I'm, you know, drying out a little bit. But if you see, BitRefill says region supported El Salvador and the USA. Guess what? Not the USA anymore. They had to temporarily suspend their bill pay program in the US because some banking Whoa. partner got spooked hopefully they'll be back but it's not a hundred percent guaranteed and so spritz finance just came out of nowhere in the last few months i saw an ad for them on brave and in the beginning they only let you pay your bills with polygon i'm like what the hell is mm. this no one uses polygon to live on and then now they're like have all the the um what do they call it the uh the DeFi coins or the whatever the web3 coins and they're trying to expand other stuff so like when the if they add a utxo coin or something then I'm going to have to add that in. And so, yeah, yeah. so I just want have a, a resource where everyone can just see and then just like everyone who wants to live on crypto can just live on crypto. And it's not just like do all the annoying ass research that I do. So if you guys you do that. You just got to throw up a couple ads from like BitRefill on the top or whatever, and then you're set. Well, yeah, I mean, what in the, I'm going to try to get like referral codes for all the, the links to those things to help. But yeah. also like yeah. I'll probably just charge consulting stuff if people want to know they want like personal attention, not just like look at this list. It's like, oh how can yeah. I do that? So yeah. So that's kind of the big project I'm working on is as always, I try to be do something useful for people. How to live on crypto is useful. And yeah, there we go. So uh why don't you shill all your stuff and then we'll wrap this thing up. 
Sure. So um, Scott C at Scott C business everywhere. Uh, you can also find my podcast crypto and things. Usually I'm talking about, crypto, you know, earning, but sometimes crypto about and, things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes about the things um, doing a little less reporting on my like monthly earnings and stuff like that. And trying to focus more on some of the bigger concepts and less about the day-to-day because i mean also like in the bear market it's getting pretty bad i mean re.cash just shut down basically in terms of their monetization so you know it's not super easy to do social fi as it were anymore Mm -hmm. um but i'll still keep some tabs on it and uh you know let people know how that's going and if things start to really tick back up uh presumably in the next bull run then i'll probably start that up again but yeah, in the next little while, I want to focus more on, you know, wallet reviews, like what exchanges don't have KYC and, you know, just providing like lists and breaking things down for people to refer to. Um, just getting more stuff like that out, more usable things rather than just my like tracking of what's going on. I, I tracked all of my earnings and all these social platforms for like yeah. three plus years. And I think it's uh, time to sort of conclude that and say it's not super reliable to earn on Socialify right now, but it's definitely possible to earn and you can earn a decent amount. I ended with about $40,000 earned over three years. It's nice. So, you know, it's not nothing. Yeah, it's a good little supplement to like if you don't like not have a job, right? Like if you have a job, an extra little 40K over a few years on the side is like that's nice. Yeah, especially if it's like to do something interesting versus like, I mean, you could have a side hustle that's interesting, but like it's more fun to create content and, you know, do what we're doing versus like, I don't know, you know, doing some sort of like side consulting business or or whatever. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Um, Thanks very much for being on. You have my NFT, so you can go do all that cool stuff. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, uh, next is the Dash Podcast episode 200 got to 200 of these freaking things so if you're watching nice stay on not stay on the same link it's a different link but yeah come on and, and watch that stuff and then everyone i hope you enjoyed your your train wreck of a not a uh, crazy 2022 it's been a great year for me but it's been hilariously bad watching the crypto world <laughs> so enjoy that and here's to with my little gross coffee cup here's to 2023 being much much better even so cheers guys i'll see cheers see you there in like two minutes or next week